How do you unlock an exciting relationship between the owner of a dress and the creator? When you buy the physical dress, you also unlock the digital version of it. There's a lot of potential there because you could attach a full movie, a full AR experience, a full universe to something you physically own. Hi everyone, welcome to the Digital Fashion and Art Club, a show about the evolution of virtual creative economy with insights from leading professionals and metaverse creators. I'm Anara Nazarova, and together with my co-host and friend Evelyn Mora, we're excited to introduce you to today's guest, Matthew Lorraine, an executive creative director specializing in interactive storytelling and emerging technologies. He's the global head of creative and content strategy for Google AR partnerships and co-founder of a creative collective, Fake Artists, that explores the future of post-reality experiences. Welcome, Matthew. Please share with us how you discovered the power of immersive tech. Thank you so much for having me in your club. I've been working with emerging technologies for now almost 20 years. My very first experience is really related to the early days of the internet in the, in the mid nineties, where I started being fascinated by flash websites. I'm from the French Alps. So I grew up in a environment with a lot of space, a lot of nature. And somehow in the early 2000, that region became one of the epicenter for the techno rape scene in Europe. And that's literally how I fell into technology and emerging technologies by going to those parties where I would see people making amazing music, but also amazing visuals with technology. That's led me to become first a video jockey, creating visuals, creating interactive arts. And then I decided to turn that into my job. And so that's how I, many years ago, started at Google and spent more than 10 years now at Google, really trying to understand how we can use any emerging technologies to tell stories and to connect with fans. Well, if you can turn your passion and your personal interest into a job, that's an ideal scenario. I think what's really incredible about the time that we're living in now is that we're heading into a fully programmable future where digital assets that we own can also be virtually customized. I believe that's similar to how Napster and even LimeWire disrupted the music industry by introducing streaming virtual assets have the power to revolutionize the way we can market, distribute, and sell our work. Our very human desire to collect, customize, express ourselves will continue to persist in the metaverse. And the beauty of digital is that we're not constrained by access to materials or the laws of physics, which is great news for people with an imagination. Immersive tech really is a medium for world builders, and we now have the power to step in, stroll through and experience the world of artists, poets, writers, musicians. And it's amazing because superfans care about the backstories, the Easter eggs within them, and the reasons why the art was made. So when it comes to fashion specifically, how do you think digital immersion will expand the designer's toolkit and individual self-expression? I think you touch on something very fundamental. We're moving from atoms to bits, from atoms to pixels. And so we're suddenly freeing ourselves from the law of physics in many aspects, and that opens a lot of uh, opportunities. The first part I find very interesting is really that idea that we can create what I call impossible dresses, impossible fashion that are not respecting the law of, of physics, things that can change as you're using them. The second part I find very interesting is this idea of be able to 
have dynamic assets, dynamic fashion, and make it evolve based on your context, based on your interaction throughout the day, based on your mood, based on who you're meeting with, and allow you pretty much to constantly reflect, for example, how you feel by connecting it to, uh, to a virtual dress. So I think that's the two field I'm quite curious of those days. How do we enable those impossible outfits that could never exist otherwise? And how do we constantly think in terms of contextual design to create a self-expression that is constantly evolving based on what you're experiencing and based on who you're interacting with? Super exciting. Matthew, right now in the recent year, we've seen an explosion of marketplaces. Obviously, it's amazing to have these tools in a democratized way available for everyone. I'm curious, what has caught your eye when it comes to fashion specifically in the digital space now? Where do you see the potential and excitement? I think one of, one of the things that really caught my eyes and Everybody's eyes, I'm guessing, is multiplication of virtual events, like music events especially. That started with the Travis Scott show on Fortnite. And since then, we've seen a lot of very interesting experimentations. We saw uh, interesting shows on Roblox. We saw what Billy Eilish did on YouTube, combining virtual environment with live action. And that for me is actually an exciting space related to fashion because I'm very curious to imagine how we can actually combine digital fashion with virtual experiences. We started seeing more prototypes doing real-time tracking of video feeds and anchoring digital fashion on top of performers in real-time with high quality. So how do we supercharge virtual events with digital fashion and improve the visual quality, but also opening more possibilities in terms of expression for all those performers. I love the word you used in this context, supercharge, that speaks to immersive tech's ability to add additional layers of information over our physical world. It sounds really sci-fi, and yet this is slowly becoming our reality as we speak. I know that you've been doing quite a lot of research around generative virtual fashion and how it also reinforces self-expression. And this makes me think of creative coding. As a discipline, it's been a hobby for some coders, but it's becoming a truly relevant skill today. And this process of tech-assisted algorithmic creativity is giving birth to generative artworks that allow us to create ideas, shapes, patterns, and infinite variations. If you merge that with immersive tech, we're looking at a pretty game-changing toolkit for designers. So what does this engineered digital unpredictability mean for the future of immersive experiences? It's a very important aspect of immersive experiences. As an AR creator, the world is your playground. One of the reasons it is so important is because a lot of the immersive experiences are augmented reality, which you you create something in reaction or in augmentation to an, ex an existing situation, to an existing context. Uh, and that context is going to be different for every user, whether I'm in my living room, you might be in your bedroom, someone might be in, on a totally different continent. And one of the key things when you create for augmented reality is to try to account for those contexts and try to create experiences that would evolve and adapt to those. I like to draw a parallel with responsive design. I don't know if you remember that responsive design 10 years ago was used to push 
brands and developers to start thinking not just for desktop design, but also think of mobile screens. I feel contextual design is the next iteration of that. You need to design immersive experiences that can adapt to different contexts. I think it's a very exciting and engaging field that can reinforce the, the, the lifetime value of experiences. I like the parallel you drew to responsive design and how context can really help make an experience feel seamless and intelligent. Recently, there's been a shift in the artist and fan relationship, especially among younger fans, where the cult of celebrity is being replaced by people that fans can actually relate to. And one example that comes to mind that is contextualizing presence is an AR app called Jadu, which allows you to view holograms of your favorite artists using your mobile phone. And it made me wonder if hybrid or even fully virtual experiences will completely redefine how creators interact with their fans. Have you noticed something similar in your work? Somehow I'm thinking about music videos and the, the role of music videos in the 80s and 90s for, for musicians. I feel like music videos were a really good tool to bring to life a world. It was a world building tool, pretty much. I really see immersive storytelling and immersive experiences as like the 10x version of this. It is a way for artists to become world builders, not just creators, and then to invite their fans into their world in order to have a meaningful interaction. So as a creator, now I can curate a space. I can curate not just the visual elements of it, but I could also curate the rules, the physics of it. The music video of the 2020s is probably going to be an immersive experience, for example. Matthew, what is Google's strategy when it comes to AR and fashion? What kind of partners and startups you're looking to collaborate with in the fashion sphere? So I, I cannot reveal anything spicy unexpected that hasn't been already revealed. But I would say that when we look at our partnerships, it's part of that whole new spectrum of practices that I call post-reality, AR, VR, 3D. And we really see just digital fashion as like one of the tools we can play with for experiences. Music in general is a very competing space for us. And so we're thinking, how can we eventually combine music with digital fashion for interesting experiences? So I think that's probably the main angle, at least for me as a creative director. And sometimes Google also signed big partnerships with fashion houses. We did that in the past. And so when we do those partnerships, very often we ask the question, what can we do that is very interesting and next generation? And digital fashion is top of mind in terms of what can we do with it? As we look at the whole spectrum of practices and next generation experiences, we're curious to better understand how we could leverage digital fashion to create better entertainment experiences. It's so encouraging to hear that digital fashion is not looked at as a gimmick, but is part of your strategy as a company. Evelyn and I talk about this many times a week. Digital fashion to us is really the future of the fashion industry. And, you know, this all sounds incredibly exciting, but I'm sure as this technology matures and becomes more mainstream, it will change our culture, our interpersonal relationships, and our relationship to the environment at large in ways we can't even imagine. What are some of the long-term implications of an always-on augmented world that we can anticipate? 
your question has that premise that I agree with at some point, and we don't know if it's 10 years, 20 years, maybe more, it is very likely that we'll have always on augmentation, probably first with glasses and maybe at some point with lenses. And indeed that opens a lot of questions about what could happen, the good and the bad. I feel that it would open very serious questions in terms of privacy and also manipulation of information. I talk a lot about post-reality, this idea that our relationship to reality is already being totally disrupted and going to get even more radical. And I believe this is going to be probably the most fundamental cultural fact of our lifetimes. I think it's, we're just getting started. We see that happening already in politics. And we see that when several parts of the countries don't agree on what is reality, it creates a lot of friction and a lot of challenges for the community. So uh, I think that's one of the implications on the negative side of horizon augmented reality. The risk that people get to go even further into their reality bubbles, which might really hurt the ability to work and to function as a healthy community. So I hope we can proactively look at those issues and try to do something about it. On the positive side, there's something very exciting for storytellers. I've been dreaming for years about what if you could create a music video that people can consume as they commute, their glasses are pretty much projecting a music video on top of the environment and they are seeing the environment with totally new eyes. There's also something very exciting around how we're going to make the world more practical. I call that click the world, meaning all the things you can do today on a screen. You can easily save a file, copy and paste, compare prices, look for information, search for something on Wikipedia. This idea that we're going to be able to look at anything and get information. That is going to distribute knowledge and expertise at a much more massive scale than today. And that, I believe, will have a lot of positive impact on society. Amazing. Thank you for that answer. And we have amazing people on stage. Let's start with Mark. Hey, Evelyn. I'm a creative technologist slash architect slash XR developer. This sentiment about what it means being in a social bubble and, and just imagine you, you walk down the street and you wouldn't see a homeless person because the augmented reality just completely changes your perception and you live in this bubble of paradise and everything is good, but you wouldn't see the bad in the world anymore, which is something definitely to think about. My question to, to Mathieu is, imagine a graffiti, an AR graffiti that pops up in the street. How long do you think we are away from that? I can give you an exact number, but uh, I, I always like to use that quote. I think it's from Bill Gates that said, people tend to overestimate the impact of technology in the short term and underestimate the impact of technology in the long term. And I feel like we're a bit in that situation right now with AR glasses, where there's a lot of talks about AR glasses coming from every single tech company. And of course, Apple is getting a lot of attention there. I don't think we're going to have a mass market product where you can totally transform your reality around you in the next few years. I think it will take a little more time probably because there are just a lot of challenges to solve for your glasses to have the right amount of battery life, to be able to render, to have the right mapping of the environment. My bad guess is that it probably will take at the very least 10 years and I hope I'm wrong, it might be faster. Now what's exciting is that all the pieces required for that to happen are slowly coming to life. Again, like a, a mapping of 
our environments to create a digital twin of the environment is something that is already happening. There are several companies already doing that. One being Google. Another technology that is going to be very important is cloud rendering and the ability to actually trim very high quality content to your glasses so that you don't have to rely on your glasses GPU. We still have a little time before that vision comes to life. And I think it's a good thing because as we talk about the positive impact and the negative impact of always on AR, I'm hoping that also gives us time to start thinking about those challenges so that we're not just blindly falling into a new cycle of technology without thinking about the potential negative effects. Mark, thank you so much for that question. I think as any new technology enters the market, we go through that awkward stage of not really knowing how to regulate it. And if you take, for example, the train, a technology that is part of public transportation systems all around the world, it took us years to put in place rules and regulations that prevented accidents and helped us to use this technology safely. And if we learned anything from the impact that the iPhone has had on our world, design really matters. And it does take time to understand how to create experiences that truly serve us. But I do feel encouraged that startups as well as larger companies like Google are already thinking about long-term implications. Lauren, welcome on stage. Thanks for bringing me up to the stage. And Matthew, it's really amazing to hear more about your really pioneering AR and VR experiences. I'm a fashion designer creating digital fashion. Have you thought about or done any projects um, with AR and VR with social or environmental activism? I think two years and a half ago, we created an AR app called Lioness in partnership with the agency Ogilvy that was targeting female creative directors in advertising. And the starting point was that there's a ridiculously low amount of female creative directors in the industry. 10 years ago, only 3% of creative directors would be women. I think now it's like 10, maybe 15, but it's obviously crazy low. And so we interviewed multiple female thought leaders and role models to share the experiences. And then we created a, an AR experience where you would listen to those experiences while interacting with a visualization of lionesses. And as you would listen to those different testimonies and try to understand from those women what it would take and what were the challenges they, they faced when they tried to rise uh, in the rank of advertising. So that's one example. VR is great for empathy. So virtual reality has been very useful to help people walk in the shoes of someone else and have a better sense of what their challenges are. When it comes to augmented reality, it's really powerful for visualization and help to raise awareness on things that are hard to visualize. One of my favorite examples is about the climate change and global warming. And we've seen several examples of augmented reality being used to showcase what our environment will look like 50 years from now if we don't do anything when it comes to carbon emission. So AR is very powerful to help transport you in time transport you in space. I feel it can be also used for co-creation when you're talking about activism and if you want to give a, a voice to citizens. How could you, for example, redesign a whole new neighborhood instead of just having a top-down decision-making process, but also have a better sense of what it would look like and what would be the implication? Thank you for your question, Lauren. Are you welcome? Hey, I'm a second-year industrial design student, and I am currently doing a research design project in which we explore 
how digital fashion will change when we have AR glasses in our daily lives. And I was wondering how digital fashion will change in the future, post-pandemic. I believe we're going to see more live events and virtual events, like music performance, keynotes, forums, you name it. But not everybody's going to feel comfortable meeting in person. So we're going to see more of those virtual events. And they are great opportunities for digital fashion to shine, whether it's a meta-humans, 3D humans, or or even live action with uh, digital fashion augmentation. The other thing is I really believe, obviously, that we're going to see more and more digital fashion as a service. It's a relatively new field, right? But I I think we're going to start seeing more apps and services allowing you to very easily tweak your social media content in order to better curate your digital identity. I think there's a lot of work to be done around connecting physical fashion with digital experiences. There's a team at Google uh, that you may be aware of that's been working on Project Jacquard a few years ago, and they are continuing to do very interesting work. They created connected outfits that could have interesting sensors. I think that's a space where there's a lot to see. I wonder actually how digital connected fashion is going to evolve based on the learning from a health standpoint. You know, are we going to be able to use fashion to help you navigate crowds and increase your level of safety as you're going out there and mingling with other people who might not be vaccinated, etc. So that's also an interesting field for me, I think. Thank you so much for your question. Denny, you're up next. Hi, Nara and Evelyn. I found it really interesting what you were saying about AR and VR. And obviously, these are still digital ways of engaging with digital fashion. I think at the moment, there's the digital fashion consumer, but then there are digital fashion consumers who are buying skins in the metaverse. And I would love to know your perspective on how you think that's going to evolve or if we're going to move into increasingly immersive digital experiences. I'm seeing a lot of potential with this idea of digital twin. Actually, the first time I heard about it was for manufacturing, like good old manufacturing and GE developed a whole set of solution around, oh, you're going to build your factory. It's going to be managed by us. And by the way, we're going to build a digital twin of your factory so that you can have a better understanding of what's going on. And that concept can apply to the whole physical world, including fashion. When you buy the physical dress, you also unlock the digital version of it. You buy the physical objects and now you have the digital version of it. And maybe the digital version is something you can actually use for your own social media posting. Maybe you can actually even wear it when you go to metaverse experiences. A few years ago, I was doing a lot of work for a Google visual search platform called Google Lens. And so we played with this idea of what if you could point your phone at a basketball jersey and the jersey would be recognized and then would unlock exclusive fan content because you had the jersey. So this idea of also attaching exclusive content, exclusive storytelling, potentially an exclusive relationship between the owner of the outfit and maybe the creator. That is also, I think, something interesting to explore. Recently, I gave a talk about NFTs and world building, and we we talked about how NFTs, for me, were more interesting, not because of the ownership, but more because of the relationship they could unlock. And I see a lot of potential when it comes to digital and physical combined with digital expenses. How do you unlock an exciting relationship between the owner of a dress, the owner of an outfit, and the creator. There's a lot of potential there because you could attach a full 
movie, a full AR experience, a full universe to something you physically own. I'm part of a creative collective called Fake Artists, and we did some experimentation with streetwear. It's very simple what we did, but every single piece of streetwear we would launch had a QR code in the back, and the QR code was driving to a unique piece of content that was actually adding perspective and storytelling to the visual of the streetwear itself. So that's a very simple example of what I mean when I talk about the connection between digital and physical. Thank you for your question. And Erica, you're up next. Thanks for having me up here. I'm definitely a huge enthusiast for all things technology, but especially AR. I feel like there's opportunity for AR if people can scan and launch a runway wherever you're at and have figures wear these clothes so you can look at them. Whether you're a fashion student and you're trying to show off your line or maybe you're trying to, to shop. I'm really excited for, for what the future holds and I definitely think it's here to stay. And I hope it is because not only is it the new normal, but for sustainability, I think we do absolutely need it. One of the challenges I think we often have working with emerging technologies and and immersive technologies is how can we think beyond the novelty? Wow, this is amazing. We've never seen that. But then we see a lot of innovative experiences that quickly feel like gimmicks. If you look at the history of motion pictures, the first thing people did when they had cameras was to record traditional plays because they just use an old medium format and try to apply it to a new medium, video. We, we just use what we know today, which makes sense. And we try to apply those rules and those learnings to new medium. That's one of the challenge. How do we invent a totally new language for a new medium? It's not easy and it requires a lot of tests and iteration and experimentation and trial and error. And how do we make sure that whatever we test and build has a foundational value, has a practical utility eventually, and is not just something that is cool because in the moments that felt new and no one did it before. I find it fascinating to see how new mediums undergo a process of copy-pasting of existing techniques. And fashion is also at the beginning of a really interesting journey combining its existing knowledge of commerce with 3D technology. Welcome, Taka. My name is Taka. I'm a designer and run a brand which I'm now turning completely digital. And I actually had a question for Matthew regarding e-commerce, extended reality of experiences what could potentially be possible in that kind of a direction in terms of online shopping in a different medium as opposed to just on a website. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. E-commerce and AR are very closely related and actually a, a lot of work has been done in that space, both by Google, Amazon, Facebook, all the big companies, but also a lot of startups. And we've seen also a, a lot of work happening for digital fashion. But I think today the most interesting Work I've seen is coming from that startup called WannaKick that has developed very interesting foot tracking technology. So it's been used a lot for sneakers and all kinds of shoe e-commerce. They are integrated on the Snapchat platform. And so uh, we started seeing experimentations where you could try an exclusive sneaker when it drops and eventually buy those online after. And obviously you can't try the exact sizing itself, but it gives you a good sense of what it would look like on you. What's interesting is that it can be online as a website, uh, but you can also really change the experience at the store themselves. 
that's something else that's been explored and we've seen prototypes for a few years now are like magic mirrors just by standing in front of a mirror and you can very quickly try a lot of options a lot of colors eventually you can try examples that are not in the store right now but that you can order and, and i think that is going to probably become more and more common you mentioned earlier digital twins and how that was something mm -hmm. that you saw the big potential in and i'm really interested in actually placing more shopping experiences within the metaverse and within those gaming realities. It might remind you a few years ago, I don't know if you remember Second Life, uh, the great father or grandmother of those metaverse experiences, the fact they can build a world. So it's a full world building exercise and those worlds can be amazing for creators. Actually, Mark, who is in the room today, from what I recall, work on the, the Balenciaga virtual fashion show. Uh, a few months ago, there was a website and there was a very exciting example of how you could bring to life a collection using a 3D immersive experience. So clearly a lot of potential there because we used to see those amazing fashion shows like Karl Lagerfeld used to build full cities. Uh, he even built a fake ski resort once. And that was possible because he was Karl Lagerfeld and he was at Chanel. And so he could just spend a lot of resources on doing those amazing things to bring to life his creative vision. And to go back to your question, I think that kind of creativity is going to get much more accessible because it is much cheaper and much easier to create using 3D tools versus having to hire proper architects and proper craftsmen to build that in the real world. So that's where I would look at how do you use 3D experiences as a world-building tool to add more dimension and more depth to your collections. Thank you so much for that question, Taka. Welcome, Nasser. Hello, everybody. You just mentioned that digital fashion doesn't have to follow our physical rules in reality. So what about time? Should digital fashion get older with time and we can give it for our kids? This is a great question. Time as a dimension for fashion is already very strong today because fashion is a representation of time first, right? It's a culture at a given time. One concept we developed a few years ago that we never got to launch was the idea that what if your outfit was like a blank page that you wear every morning? And as you go through your day, what if you could almost capture your day so that at the end of the day, you would have that kind of customized piece of fashion. That would be a representation of your own personal experience. Suddenly the owner of the piece becomes a co-creator and their own life experience in itself becomes an act of creation. So I think there's a lot to unpack there that could be interesting. I like also that idea of transmission that you mentioned, Nasser, and what happens if I decide to transmit a bit of digital fashion to my son, to my great kids, to my best friend, to my lovers? And what if we could capture that transmission and evolve the piece of fashion based on this? You could imagine NFT fashion where each time you change owner, the dress transform. Maybe the dress add one more piece or maybe it loses a piece. The only thing I would say is as always with creativity, you just want to make sure it's meaningful. And, and that there's a purpose to it. If it's just for the sake of it, then there's no meaning, obviously, that would be less interesting. Thank you for your question, Nasser. Adriana, welcome. Hi, Matt. Really nice meeting you and, and hearing the great stories. I'm curious about your point of view regarding utility in the area of digital fashion. What do you think are the big trends uh, coming up 
and things that you have seen in your area regarding utility that you are meaningful? Utility is hard in general because utility is something people don't really pay attention to when it works very often. It is commoditized and people pay attention to it when it doesn't work. So I say that because Google as a company is really focused on helpfulness and utility. So we, we try really hard to build those, but deliver like super value is very difficult. I wonder if digital fashion could be considered useful when it comes to uh, recognizing identities and helping people better communicate their own identities, but that's because you are a minority or you may have something very specific in your identities that creates challenges. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts actually, Adriana. In many ways, we feel similar. Uh, fashion is about self-expression in the metaverse. And there are actually already several cases of self-expression in the metaverse when you look at the gaming landscape, where people have already been able to create their own 3D personality, their avatar, and rest themselves. And we believe that actually there is a lack of wardrobe currently. There are quite a few 3D personalities walking around naked with the craze of NFTs, we believe that blockchain is a key enabler of authenticity and is a key enabler of this new era that empowers creators. But ultimately, I think the utility will come when we allow people to actually create new items themselves, customize things, but also wear them. I wonder there's maybe some utility in the field of therapy. I think one of the trends with social networks is that it created a distorted view of each other's identities and each other's lives. I wonder if digital fashion could be used as a way to help self-acceptance. First time I heard, ever heard about Chloe was a few years ago and a fashion designer was playing with me and he explained to me that he was trying to use digital fashion as a way to also make his own collection uh, much more sustainable. And in, in his case, his plan was to design everything virtually and then only create physically the collections when he had enough interest from his fans and followers and that was ultimately saving a lot in terms of time and resources but even kind of physical resources so there may be something also here around sustainability and physical resource you need uh, for collections no absolutely Matthew. actually if anything that has been always our driving passion behind this whole revolution we stand for no physicality whatsoever and in terms of carbon footprint alone if we create a digital economy and we replace physical garments to digital ones it is a saving of about 70% of carbon emission. And forget about all the other chemical issues that the whole supply chain of fashion has. And it's interesting what you say about the mental effect. And that is something that we discuss a lot internally about how much you can be yourself in the digital space. But uh, yeah, we'd love to see that value adds that you mentioned as well. Thank you for your question and comments, Adriana. This is a profound permanent and truly foundational shift in fashion's digital evolution. Matthew, thank you so much for being generous with your expertise. It's been great to hear your insights and learn from you today. I really appreciated the, the discussion with everybody. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this digital fashion and art club episode with Matthew Lorraine. We host weekly shows about the evolution of virtual creative economy with insights from leading professionals and metaverse creators. If you enjoyed this, follow the Digital Fashion and Art Club on Clubhouse and join us for live conversations with speakers on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. and Saturdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.